Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for listening to The Collective Podcast. My name is Josiah, and I actually get to lead the ministry here with a bunch of other incredible people. Collective is the ministry for young adults for Grace Church Bath Campus. Uh, I hope you find this conversation helpful in your relationship with God. And I also want to invite you to check out Collective in person. We meet every Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Grace Church Bath Campus. And you can find all the info you need on our Instagram account, GCM underscore Collective. Once again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. If you're here with us for the first time or first couple of times and we never met before, uh, my name is Josiah and my favorite Taylor Swift album is Reputation. Uh, and that is a hot take I've learned apparently among uh, the Swifties and the non-Swifties alike. My favorite thing with Taylor Swift people is like there's haters on Taylor Swift. A lot of them are dudes and they all listen to Drake. And Drake is just Taylor Swift for dudes. Like, you know, so anyways, that, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you can take that for later. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm really excited about uh, the kinds of conversations that we're going to be having in, in this year and uh, all the things that we're going to be talking about and God's going to be teaching us. Um, here's my challenge, though, before we jump into anything. Uh, I know a lot of us are here for the very first time. I'm really glad you're here. Uh, I know a lot of us are here for the first time in a very long time. And I know that, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, maybe you're into that, maybe just thinking about, you know, the kind of person you want to be this year. I know that the reason maybe a lot of us are here right now is because you want this year to be your year with God. Maybe you have a relationship with God up to this point and you're like, I want to be closer than ever before. I want to dive in the Bible. I want to understand what it means to follow him. Maybe you're not religious or, or spiritual at all and you're here just to explore it. Maybe a friend invited you and you thought they were, you know, kind of cute. So you're rolling with it, you know, like what, what, whatever it is. I know a lot of us are here and you're thinking like, man, I want to take my relationship with Jesus, uh, seriously. And that's incredible. That's an incredible goal. Um, I want that for you too. I just want you to know that most likely that's not going to happen. Uh, somebody shared a, a, a stat with me. I didn't know. Uh, did you know that 91% of New Year's resolutions never go anywhere? You know, 91%, that sounds about right. You know, Planet Fitness, was this was their busiest week, man. <laughs> like, this is it. And then afterwards, just right back to like five people and that one guy that's gonna talk to you, you know, and he's like 60, you know, uh, right? So about 91% New Year's resolutions don't happen. Like most resolutions, it's something you try, it's something you jump into, it lasts a couple days, lasts a couple weeks, maybe lasts a couple months, uh, but then it fades away. And so I, I just have a simple challenge for you. This is your challenge, you can decide to do with it or not do anything with it at all. What if, what if, just throwing it out there, what if this year you decided that at minimum in your relationship with God, I'm going to make coming to Thursday nights or coming to church once a week an absolute priority at minimum. There's so many other important things, but you got to start somewhere. Uh, but at minimum, I'm going to, you know, be here every Thursday night. And I'm not trying to convince you of this. I don't, you know, need something. But I, my, my logic here is, you know, if you commit to a soccer team, uh, when something conflicts, when your friend wants to hang out with you, when practice is supposed to be, you prioritize the soccer team. And if you're committed to uh, getting in shape, you know, you don't skip leg day. I hear. I've never done leg day in my life, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, if you want a healthy relationship, you don't skip date night. You know, if you want something healthy, you prioritize. And when something conflicting comes up, uh, you pick the thing that matters to you the most. And the same is true if you want a healthy relationship with God. That has to show up as a priority in your schedule 
schedule in some way and in multiple ways. So what if you started with something as simple and easy as saying, all right, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, my friends are here anyways. I'm going to be here. I'm going to make that my thing. Uh, There's important steps after that. Obviously, following Jesus is so much more than that. If you go to a different church, commit to that church. I'm not like trying to, you know, do something weird. But but what if you made that uh, your commitment? That's up to you. At the beginning of the year... Uh, I always try and give a conversation or a series of conversations that I think will help set us up for having the year that you want to have. And so that's uh, why I'm really excited to be jumping into the series that we're going to be jumping into today. We're going to be starting a new series called Faithful, How to Walk with God in Everyday Life. And here's what I want to talk about specifically today. Uh, I want to talk about the secret to finding God's plan for your life. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the secret to finding and living in God's plan for your life. I know a bunch of us are in a crossroads and some big decisions right now. Um, some of you are about to graduate and you don't know which job to take because school is a limbo that led nowhere and you didn't actually have to think about anything. And now you actually have to think about it. I, I know some of us, you've been working in your field for a long time. You know, college was way in the past and you've been, you know, clocked a couple years into something and you're not sure if you even like it. If you want to stay, you're not sure if you want to jump ship. You're not sure if you want to commit to the job that was offered to you or wasn't offered to you. Um, maybe you started college and you don't know if you're in the right major. You don't know if you're in the right school. You see on Snapchat, all your friends are having so much more fun at OU than you are. And so you're constantly thinking like, should I drop everything and move over there? You know, uh, and, and you don't know, is this the right major? Is this what I want to do with my life? Maybe you're trying to figure out where to live. You know, do I want an apartment? Do I want a house? Do I want to stay in Ohio? Do I want to go to Florida? Something weird like that. Maybe you're trying to figure out what to do with your money or lack thereof. Uh, Or maybe you have uh, two boys in your life who are both special in their own ways. Um, Jake is the lead actor of the hit TV series Zombie High, but he's kind of arrogant. Uh, And so you're not sure if you like his bad boy attitude, but Jesse is a super cute guitarist who's more down to earth. And he seems to like the real you more than your alter ego, Hannah Montana. And so you're kind of forced between the choice who could be the one, you know, (laughs) that's what you got to figure out. But okay, for real though, um, I know, you know, thinking about uh, a romantic partnership is forefront of everybody's mind, right? Maybe you're dating that person and you're like, I don't know if this is the one I should commit to them. Maybe you're not dating anyone and you're trying to figure out where to look because you kept meeting weird people on Bumble and you're trying to move away from that. You know, like maybe you're just trying to figure out if you're the kind of person that should be looking for that type of thing at all. Or maybe you got feelings for a couple people and you don't know who could be the one, you know, Miley Stewart is your spirit animal. Uh, Some of us are at a crossroads between a couple of options. Others of us have so many options that you got like analysis paralysis. You know, there's just so many ways that you can go and you don't know what to do. And others of us, perhaps most of us, I would guess, You just feel like there's something missing in your life. Life doesn't feel the way you thought it was supposed to feel, right? It doesn't feel the way you always hoped it would feel when you got to this point in your life. You know you could be spending your life better. You just don't totally know where to aim. And you don't totally know where to go. And you don't totally know what to do and what to pursue. And when every single family member asked over the past handful of weeks, what's next? All you felt was anxiety. <laughs> you know, the deep anxiety that you haven't felt since your senior year of high school. You know, uh, because you don't know what to do. If you're not a Christian in this room, which I know is, you know, a huge chunk of us, uh, you'd probably just think, I just need to figure out the next phase of my life. I don't know what to do, which path to choose. However, if you would call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, or just like a, you know, a big fan of Drake, you might say, 
how do I find God's plan for my life? (laughs) How do I find God's plan for my life? Or other ways, you know, you might say, what's my calling? What's my calling? Or what's God's will for my life? All, you know, terms that mean exactly the same thing. Um, And and here's what I mean by, here's what we tend to mean by God's plan for your life. Here's what we tend to want. So we know, um, let's pretend uh, this is you, you're here. That's you. And let's say uh, this all the way over here after a long journey is the end of your life. And let's say, you know, you're going to go to heaven, the kingdom of heaven. This is either heaven or Bart Simpson's head. You can decide which one it is. Uh, What you want, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, what you want so badly is for God to reveal to you the next big thing. Like the next checkpoint. God, would you tell me who I'm going to marry? Or God, would you tell me what promotion I'm going to get? Or God, would you tell me whether to stay in Ohio or not? And if God could tell you where the next big thing is, then you could do, 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 aim right there and get there, right? And then once you get there, you're like, God, tell me the next big thing. Two years from now, what's the thing after this? And if you tell me, then, then I can go do, 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 and I can get there right? And then God, tell me the next big thing, the next big thing. You want to know what these major checkpoints in your life are so that you can properly aim at them and properly, you know, get to them in in the way uh, that it's supposed to go down. And that's what we tend to mean by God's plan. It's like the next big thing, the, the, the next step. And Christians in America, particular, love talking about God's plan and God's will. Obviously, you know, Drake talked and gave a whole song about it. Uh, you know, I went to a wedding a while back with a great Christian couple. They were awesome. But it was one of those weddings where, like, anyone could give a speech during the rehearsal. And during the speeches, uh, I'm not kidding, the term God's plan or God's will must have been used at least 20 times. Like, just over and over and over, the term God's plan kept being used. And I think a lot of us think, like, all right, what it means to follow Jesus means to like love the Lord with all you got, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, tell other people about Jesus and try and figure out God's plan for your life. Like that's number four. It's like the most important thing. And some Christians get super stressed about this because you think, all right, if I don't know what this thing is, what if I aim in the wrong direction and I get out of God's will, quote unquote, right? Or what if I find, you know, I guess the whole world will do this. What if I marry the wrong person? Or what if I go down the wrong career? How would I possibly get back to a regular path if I'm out of the plan that I'm supposed to to be? Americans love talking about God's plan. However, I was thinking about this over the past couple weeks. If you actually read the Bible, I I just decided, uh, after that wedding in particular, I decided to just do a deep dive in the Bible and try and understand how often the Bible talks about God's plan and what the Bible actually says about God's plan. And I found uh, three things. Number one, the Bible does not really talk about God's plan for your life very often. If that's like the thing that you're thinking about all the time, you probably shouldn't because this is not a frequent topic of like you discovering God's plan for your life. The second thing that I found is God's plan God does have a plan, and the Bible does talk about it. It just doesn't talk about it as much as we talk about it. You get what I'm saying? God's plan doesn't unfold in checkpoints. Uh, The Bible is pretty clear about that. It doesn't work like this. The third thing that I learned is God's plan really isn't something we're supposed to be searching for in the way that we search for it. 
So let me tell you what I mean. If you got, uh, if you got a Bible or phone or just want to look at the screens, uh, I want you to find uh, Psalm uh, chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119, very famous uh, passage of the Bible. And we're going to look at a few parts of it, but I want to start in verse 105. Man, we got deep in that real quick. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, and it changed my perspective on following Jesus. Here's what it says, real short verse. Uh, the writer says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet, and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And you might say, Josiah, what on earth does this have to do with what you're talking about? Well, have you ever been lost in the woods without a, a light? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, yeah, have you ever been lost in the woods trying to, trying to find your way home? Imagine being lost in the woods and it's dark and you're trying to like find, you know, those deer, deer trail paths that are kind of through there. You're trying to find the path and it's dark. Um, but you don't have a flashlight, right? Back in the day, they didn't have a flashlight. You don't have your phone. You don't have GPS. You don't have any of that. Instead, back in the day, all they had was a candlelit lamp. Remember that scene in Beauty and the Beast when Maurice is trying to find Belle? You know, all you have is that that candlelit lamp, um, and you're trying to find your way through. This verse is saying God's word, meaning largely the things God says in the Bible, or the things God says, um, is like a lamp to your feet, a candlelit lamp to your feet, and a light to your path. Now, if you're holding a flashlight, like we would, you can see pretty far out, right? You can see, you know, way down there. I could probably see, you know, well past the end of this room if I was holding a flashlight in the middle of the night. But if you're holding a candlelit lamp, how far can you see? You can only see like one or two steps out. If you're holding the lamp and just walking around, you can only clearly see one or two steps out. And that's how following Jesus works. Here's the first point. God doesn't often give you checkpoints. He usually just gives you one or two steps at a time. God doesn't normally give you checkpoints. He normally just gives you one or two steps at a time. Um, let's go you know, back to this graph for a second. Um, what we're always obsessed with are these middle pieces, right? All we want are these big checkpoints, probably, let's say, 10 checkpoints throughout the course of your life. That's what we really want. Um, however, the Bible, God's word, is not really clear about these checkpoints. And God doesn't seem super interested and making them all as clear as possible. But if you read through the Bible, if you read through what God says, God makes two things abundantly clear. Two things, right? The first one is this, Bart Simpson's head. Uh, the first thing that God makes abundantly clear is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you know where your destination is. You know that no matter what turns you take, no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you screw up your life, if you trust in Jesus Christ, the end of your life and the rest of your life is spent in the kingdom of heaven. Being close to Jesus, being one with him, having perfect relationships, perfect happiness, perfect love, like just the best life ever. And that's the hope that you're supposed to cling to all throughout your life. That's the first thing that's unbelievably clear. The second thing that's unbelievably clear if you read through the Bible is what my next one or two steps are. The Bible is unbelievably, explicitly detailed about how to live life right here, right now, given the situation that I have. The next one or two steps are unbelievably clear. And so there's a lot of us that feel like God is silent, and you feel like God doesn't have an interest in revealing life to you and showing what his plans for you are. But actually, when you read the Bible, God is very clear. Now, what, what types of steps am I talking about? Well, if you read the Bible, it's probably not going to tell you, uh, you know, what your next job is supposed to be. 
But if you read God's word, God makes it abundantly clear what you're supposed to do in the job that you currently have. So things like um, tell everyone I can about Jesus and the hope that's within me. That's the number one reason I'm at the job. Things like be the best possible employee that I can be and work to my boss as if my boss was Jesus himself. Things like be the most loving, faithful person uh, the customers and the coworkers or classmates or fill in your contacts have ever met. The, the next two, three steps are unbelievably clear. Um, the boss, this is a different situation. The boss I have or the professor I have must be horrible. She is evil. She is, uh, you know, they could make a horror movie about her. It chapter three will star my boss. You know, like if she's horrible. I need to get away from her. The Bible's probably not going to open up and tell you who your next boss is going to be or how to get out of the situation. Here's what's going to be unbelievably clear about. Love your enemies. Don't talk bad about the people that are talking bad about you. Show kindness to people that don't deserve it. Maybe write her an encouraging note she doesn't deserve. Maybe compliment her in front of other people, even with a compliment that she doesn't deserve. I might not know who to marry, right? Who to find, who could be the one, you know? I might not know that, but the Bible's gonna be unbelievably clear about things like seeking first the kingdom of heaven. If I'm not leading in the church, I need to be doing that before I'm looking for a relationship. If I'm not reading the Bible, I need to be doing that before I'm looking for a relationship. If there's anyone in my life that I've wronged, I need to fix the relationships that I currently have before I go looking for new ones. Some of you just like, the second you like screw up your friend group, you just go looking for a new friend group. And it's like, no wonder you feel lonely all the time because you've never learned the art of repairing damaged relationships, whether it was your fault or another person's fault. So anyone who says, God didn't tell me what to do with my life is actually wrong. The thing is, he probably is just telling you things that you don't super wanna hear. And he's probably not revealing the information that you super want to have. God doesn't normally give checkpoints. He normally just gives us the next steps. But here's what's really ironic. If I trust God in the next step, one step at a time, he normally leads me right to the checkpoint that I need to be. And if I keep trusting, 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 he leads me to the next one. Um, God will take you exactly on the path that you need to go if you trust him. This is what Jesus means when he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, one step at a time, and live righteously, and all these things will be given to you as well. If I'm faithful in the present, I can trust God with the future, which means God's plan, the checkpoints, was never supposed to be something I'm looking for. Instead, it's something he reveals along the way. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every moment you spend having anxiety about the next thing is worrying about tomorrow. You're actually doing the exact opposite of the things that Jesus said to do in the name of Christianity. It's, it's very interesting. So what should I be looking for instead? What is, I, I, I like that I titled this message with a very tabloid, the secret of finding God's plan for your life. You know, that's clickbait right there. So let me answer the clickbait. So wh what should I be looking for instead? Do you want to know the secret to living in God's plan for your life? This is going to disappoint you so much, but just like all clickbait. Uh, the secret to living God's plan for your life is faithfulness. If you read the Bible, the secret to living God's plan for your life is faithfulness. Everyone in the room just got disappointed at the same time. You're bummed out. You know, you wanted me to give you some magic spell, magic eight ball that has God in it that you can shake, you know. Um, if you are faithful, 
You will live out everything God has planned for you. But if you are not faithful in the little things, you actually probably will miss the big things. That actually probably will happen. Here's a quote from Jesus in Luke chapter six. Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest or untrustworthy, that's maybe a better way of thinking about it. If you are dishonest or untrustworthy in little things, you're not gonna be trustworthy with the greater responsibilities. I don't know why you think you can just zoom off into like David fighting Goliath and think you can pull that off. If you can't do the little things right here, right now, um, Jesus makes clear later on, he's not probably not going to trust you with the bigger moments in the future. Now, what do I mean by faithful? I think that's an important word to define. So here's how we'll define faithful. Faithfulness is taking whatever God has put in my hands, no matter what it is, and treating it like God's plan for my life. That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is taking whatever God has put in my hands, no matter what it is, no matter how much I like it, and treating it like God's plan for my life. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter three. The apostle Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. All your heart. As you are working for the Lord, not for human masters. So if you got a crazy boss, you got a crazy professor, you live with your psycho mom, you know, like, don't worry. You're, You're not working for them. If you follow Jesus, you're, following Jesus, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from Jesus as a reward, that's the kingdom of heaven, it is the Lord Jesus you are serving, not your psycho mom. And Paul, by the way, was saying this in the context of having an overly demanding, possibly abusive boss, master. That's the context that he's saying this in. He says, you're not working for your boss, you're working for Jesus. And notice, this verse isn't asking for perfection, it's not telling you that you, you can never mess up or you're screwed. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. All in full send. Whatever's in my hands, I'm going, whatever God has put in my hands, I'm going to be uh, absolutely committed to, to the best of my ability. Now, how do I know if I'm a faithful person? How do I know if I'm faithful in the present? Uh, well, we, uh, our team has developed a faithfulness test. This is how we're going to go. Uh, all these questions are based on things that are clearly talked about in the Bible. If I, how do I know if I'm faithful in the present? And I'm not saying any of this to guilt trip anyone because I suck at the faithfulness test. I tried it earlier. I was not doing very well. Um, but these are things, we want to know these things that God's revealed in the future. These are all things that God has said right here, right now in the present. So if you want to know if you're a faithful person, here's some questions for you. Number one. Who are the people in my life who don't know Jesus and have I told them about him? Who are the people in my life that don't know Jesus? Have I told my coworkers, classmates, family members? Do I share Jesus with them? Number two, do the people in my life, work, school, family, neighbors, even know that I'm a Christian? Or would that be a surprise to them? I think for a lot of us, that would just be shocking. Like if you reveal, they're like, oh, plot twist, you know? Or or nothing, it it would just be surprising. Um, Third, do I lead in the church? Am I part of that mission? Is that a priority in my life that everyone would know, recognize? Am I unified the way Jesus wants me to be unified? Would the people I live with think of me as a deeply kind, loving, and selfless person who always puts their needs before mine? Would the people I live with, uh, my siblings, my roommates, uh, my parents, the people in my everyday life, would they think of me as loving and as someone who always will put their needs before my own? Uh, or would they be surprised that that's something that I'm even trying to be? Would my boss and coworkers consider me an absolutely reliable, honest, hardworking person? <laughs> would my boss and coworkers consider me absolutely reliable? Like, you can depend on me, or do I show up late? Do I call in sick for no reason at all the day before? 
Uh, do I not work very hard and just kind of watch the clock until I'm out of time and I can finally get out of there? Here's a big one. Do I honor my boss or the people in authority? Do I honor my managers? Do I honor my professors? Do I honor my parents? Or do I gossip about them? Which is something that Jesus says over and over and over is from the devil. Do I talk negatively about them to other people? Do I constantly criticize them? Am I, do I love spilling the tea? Some of you love spilling the tea. And I just wish someone would slap you in the face. That would be awesome. This would be a, a much healthier environment if someone slapped you in the face every time you spilled the tea. But it, it, do I honor uh, people that are in authority? Here's another one. Are there any relationships I need to restore or forgive before I look for a new one? Maybe the reason God isn't bringing new relationships in your life is because you don't have the basic skills of relationships. And you'll develop those by being in the, fa- the ones that you already have. Here's another one. Have I done whatever I could do to live at peace with the people that are already in my life? Do I chase down people that have wronged me? Do I chase down people who have hurt me in in a healthy way? And then here's a big one for relationships. Um, Do I have secret addictions in my life that I haven't told anyone about? Do I have secret addictions in my life that I haven't told anybody about? Pornography, alcohol, marijuana, uh, honestly, just like anger and bitterness and stuff that over, you know, over here. Um, do I, have I rebranded uh, pornography as HBO? And that's how I get away with it because it's art, right? Like, do I have these secret things? Because until I develop and overcome these types of things, I'm not going to be able to engage in a healthy relationship. Now, I'm not saying this to shame anyone. I know, I, I apologize, because I know some of us have come from backgrounds and been in churches where, like, some pastor stands up and he Bible shames you and, like, hits you, you know. I'm not doing that because I suck at this, you know, so I can't really. Um, here's, I'm actually saying this as uh, oddly an encouraging and positive thing, because many of us think that God is silent about his plan for our life, and I think I just proved that he could not be clearer about how he wants you to live. Many of us think God has nothing to say for what he wants us to do, and God has made it unbelievably clear. We just want it written in the stars, but we got something better. He revealed it in his word. And Jesus is saying, these things are what real faith is. Think of the word faithful. Faithful just means full of faith. That's it. I think a lot of times we think faith is like something I believe deep down inside or something that gives me the courage to overcome my battles. And and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Faith is not what you do in the big moments. Faith is what you do in all the small ones. It's how you live every moment. And if you can't do these little things, and they're hard little things, but if you can't do these little things, the reason is that I don't have as much faith in Jesus as I thought I did. Um, You don't believe that God has placed you where he's placed you for a reason. And it's only until you have a shift about your present that you'll ever even be prepared for in the future because God is way less concerned about the types of things you accomplish, and he's way more concerned about the type of person that you become. So what does it mean to be faithful? I, a few years ago, um, I had a friend, a close friend, who uh, had no idea what to do with his life. This is going to sound like a very familiar story because I think it's a lot of our stories. Uh, so, so my buddy in college, he switched majors many times, which caused him to be uh, in deep, deep debt uh, that Joe Biden never forgave him for. And uh, so he was pretty deep in school loans. Um, and he finally graduated, uh, but he couldn't find a job because he doesn't have experience, which is just cruel. 
You know, you have this degree, but you don't have experience. And every boss is like, I don't hire you because you don't have experience. But how could you get experience unless somebody hired you? It's just a cruel world we live in. So he's looking for job, job, job. He's looking for his, uh, his like dream job. But to pay off his loans, he has to start all these entry-level jobs because he has to start making payments. And he lives with his parents, you know. And at this point, he's like 27, you know. So it's like a familiar story, right? So he works at Amazon for a bit. And then he works at Lowe's for a bit. And then he works at Chipotle for a bit. And then he works at Starbucks for a bit. But he doesn't stay at any of these very long because as soon as he comes to any of these jobs, he's like, this is not what I'm supposed to do with my life. You know, I'm not supposed to make burritos for the rest of my life. I'm not supposed to move two by fours for the rest of my life, you know? And so, so what happens over the course of time is he'll be there for a little bit and then he starts coming in late and then he starts getting yelled at by his manager and then he starts letting the clock run. And sooner or later, he eventually quits because it's quote unquote, not his calling. It's not what God wants him to do. Um, and so at this time, you know, by 27, he's working at Target, the great store of Target. <laughs> you know, uh, thank you for all you do, Target employees. Uh, and, uh, you know, living with your parents, deep in debt, you know, trying to figure out his calling. And um, I remember one night we were hanging out. And uh, my wife, Sarah, was there. We weren't married yet. Uh, and we were, we were just talking to him. And, and I was like, hey, how, how's your job going? How's Target? Because we, he was getting to the place of, like, the coming in late, the lazy. You know, it's like it's, the trend is going. And I'm like, how, how's it going? How, how's Target? Um, and he goes, ah, oh, I think I'm going to quit. You know, and then you know how these conversations go. Here's the problem with the management. I'm like, if they were an amazing manager, they probably wouldn't be working at Target. You know, like that's that's my thought process. But here's the problem with the management. Here's how I'm sorry if you're a Target manager. Holy crap! But uh, here's the problem. I don't know if this is my calling. This isn't what I want to do. Blah 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 blah. blah. I'm thinking about quitting because God has so much more for me. This isn't my calling. I'm not called to work at Target. God's plan for my life isn't to work at Target. I don't want to be at Target for the rest of my life, so I need to quit. And Sarah goes, I don't know that anyone's supposed to be at Target for the rest of their life. I don't know that anybody, unless you work your way up through the, you know, you can do that, I guess, but hardly anybody. Target is just a step. Target isn't this big checkpoint. It's just a step, but you have to take steps to move forward. Um, I, I, Target might not be your calling, but Target is what God has put in your hands right now. Target might not be your dream, but Target is God's plan for your life right now. It's the next step in your faith. And if you can't be faithful when God has placed you at Target, what makes you think that you're going to be faithful anywhere else? And here's what the Bible is saying over and over and over again. It's this. Don't tell me you want to know God's plans for your life for the future if you don't want to know God's plans for your life right now. That's what's saying over and over. Don't tell me you want to know God's plans for your life in the future if you don't want to hear God's plans for your life right now. I was talking to my other uh, good friend, Stephen Gamoff. And uh, Stephen also works at Target. And I think he's a manager. Are you? No. Okay. (laughs) Who was it? Was David? Oh, David. I'm sorry, dude. David is qualified to be a manager at Target. I, I'm not trying to dog on you. Uh, I I was talking to Stephen Gamoff. Through a bunch of uh, changes in Steven's life that were pretty unexpected, he found himself landed at working at Target too. And uh, so is Nanya and so is Chase and you know, some of these other guys. But when they worked at Target, which I just thought was ironic as I was thinking about this, Steven went in and those other guys went in with the thought of, I want to tell as many people about Jesus in this store as I possibly can. I want to tell as many people about Jesus in the store as I possibly can. And so all day, every day, 
what they're thinking of. They don't, you don't constantly get, get these opportunities, but they jump on as many. They're just trying to think of how many people they can lead to Christ at Target. They've led people to Christ at Target. Half of you now work at Target. You know, it's like, because there's a completely different perspective of, man, I hate this job. Man, I don't want to restock the toy aisle. Okay, I get it. But how can I be faithful with God has put in my hands right here, right now? Um, and how do I know what that means? How do I know what the steps look like? Well, the Psalm says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word, God's word is a lamp to your feet. Not your friends, not your parents, not your favorite podcast, not you know your favorite sermon, not your gut, not your intuition. God's word, and yeah, God can speak through all those things, but 99% of the time, God's word for your life is revealed through the Bible. That's what, 99% of the time, God's you know, his, his plan for your life is revealed through the Bible. His word that he wants you to hear is, is through the Bible. The same Psalm says a bit earlier, here's what it says. It says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the, Lord, the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, by the way, was what they used to call the Bible back in the day. So blessed is the person that walks according to the Bible. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, his commands. They seek him with all their heart. Those people do no wrong, and they follow his ways. You, God, have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways and my life and my path was steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. You see that word blessed? It's in there a couple times. You know what the word blessed means? Happy, content, joyful, fulfilled. Happy is the person that walks according to the law of God. Content is the person that listens to every command that comes out of God's mouth. Guys, looking for God's plan without reading the Bible every day is like looking for your phone without checking your pocket. It's like, it's right in front of you. You have complete access to everything he wants to say because 99% of the time, God's plan for your life is revealed through the Bible. In the 1% of the time that God has something to say to you specifically that's outside of the Bible, God will figure out how to tell you that. You don't need to go searching for that. You don't need to go looking in the stars. You know, if you read through... And the stories in the Bible of the guys that had God, like, you know, ooh, come to them and, like, you know, say something crazy. You know, Moses in the burning bush, Abraham in the stars, Mary and Joseph in a dream. If you read those stories, you'll find a couple things in common. You'll find two things in common. Number one, they were not looking for a message from God. They were completely caught off guard by it. Moses was not out on the hunt to find a burning bush. Right? God surprised them. He shocked them. They didn't have to go look for it. God figured out how to get the message on their own. But two, these were faithful people. These were people to the best of their ability and with whatever God had revealed, were trying to do whatever God says. And because they were faithful with the little things, God entrusted them with the big things. But if you open the Bible and you read it and you look for God's plan for your life, you're probably not going to find, you know, who you're going to date next. And you're probably not going to find your next job and you're probably not going to find this magical thing written in the stars. I'll never forget. Uh, The first time I was like, I don't know if I was in high school or middle school. I must have been in high school. It was the first time I was ever like hanging out with a girl one-on-one. You know, it's like a date that my mom had to drive me to, you know? And I was really, I was really excited about like hanging out with this girl one-on-one. And I really liked this girl and I wanted it to go somewhere. And so right before I said, God, you got to help me with this. And I opened the Bible to find everything it said on love. I'm like, love your enemies. Not a problem. You know, like unrelated, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Unrelated. Like, 
Like I could not find anything uh, in the Bible uh, about the situation that I was going to have. Why? What if the thing that I'm looking for is the wrong thing? Maybe the reason you're not finding the answer you're looking for is because you're looking for the wrong thing. And the things that are the right thing and the things that you need to hear, you la 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 out because that's not what you're looking for. When someone opens God's word and actually starts to read it, do you know what you'll find? You probably won't find chicken soup for the soul. Instead, you're going to find like a lot of stories about Jesus and how he lived and what it means to be a good person and a loving person and what it means to have a savior and follow the savior. You're going to find a lot of stories and teachings that expose your flaws. Every time in the Bible that you've read something that you disagreed with, it's probably because it exposed a flaw that you didn't want to see. So you're going to find a lot of teachings that expose your flaws. And you're going to find a lot of things out about your heart that you don't want to know. It's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. And it's going to tell you things that don't make any sense. I, I, I don't know why. Uh, one of my old, older Bibles, I would like just put question marks by things that didn't make any sense. There were a lot of question marks. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of question marks. Uh, and it's funny. Over the years, those things start to slowly and steadily make sense. But it's not supposed to be like I open up, uh, you know, I'm completely changed. It's not the dragon scroll. You know, the, I guess the dragon scroll was blank. Skadoosh. Uh, but it, it's supposed to be something that over the course of time changes my heart, changes my mind, because God's plan is not to rush me to my next promotion. God's plan is to turn me into a loving person with character, integrity, who makes a real difference, who makes a real impact, and who loves him and loves people more than myself. It's not a microwave, it's a slow cook. And when you ask God for his plan, those are the types of things that he's going to reveal to you. So here's the question. You've got to be honest with yourself, ready? If you have a relationship with God or if you want to jump into a relationship with God, here's it. Do I actually want God's plan? Or do I just want him to tell me the next big thing? You have to ask yourself that question. If all I ever talk about with God is the person I'm going to marry one day and how bitter I am that all my friends are in a relationship and I'm so lonely, they don't hang out with me anymore. Even though they do, I just feel jealous when they're around. You know, if all I'm ever talking to God about is that, if all I'm ever talking about, do I actually want God's plan for my life in the present? Or am I just looking for the next big thing in the future? Because everybody says they're looking for God's plan, but I don't think you are. Do I want to know how to be close with God and to walk with him every day? Or do I just want the next phase of my life? Do I actually want to become a person who knows how to love unconditionally like Jesus loves? Or do I just want to find someone to date, to marry, to probably divorce in 10 years statistically? Do, Do I actually want to have joy all the time? Or do I want to make it through grad school to get a job that I'm not going to like and have to quit 20 years from now? Do I actually want, um, you know, to help save people's souls? Or do I just want to, quote unquote, be paid what I think I deserve? What do I want? That's a real question that I have to ask. Do I actually want God's plan for my life? And if I do, the secret is to be faithful with what's in my hand. No matter what it is, no matter where I'm at, and no matter how much I like it. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. If I can be faithful with what's in my hands, God will be faithful with what's in my life. If I can be faithful with what's in my hands, the things that God says, the things God's revealed, if I can be faithful with what's in my hands, God will be faithful with what's in my life. God does have a plan for your life, but his plan is way less about your resume and the things you accomplish and way more about the person that you become. It doesn't mean 
that you have to love what's in your hand. You might say, like, Josiah, I hate my job. I'm not saying you have to not hate your job, actually. You might say, uh, the, the people in my life are unbearable. I'm not saying you have to pretend that they're not unbearable. I, you know, I was, as I was thinking about this, I actually thought about um, my wife, Sarah, because she taught me a lot about this. Uh, about a year and a half ago, um, the company that Sarah was working for basically told her, hey, you're never going to get promoted again. <laughs> We're not. She was the best employee that they had. She was the most reliable person that they had. The company revolved around her, but they were going through a hard time. So they're like, you're not going to get promoted. Uh, we're not going to move anything around. There's really no future here for you. They even like offhand said to her, you can do better things than this. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they told her, you're done. And so through all of that, she started looking for another career, because Sarah's very ambitious. She's always got to, you know, do, do big things. And so about a year and a half ago, she starts applying for all these different jobs. And over the course of the past year and a half, um, some of those job leads went really far. Uh, she made it very far in some, with some big companies and like some things that were really, really exciting. And every time that she thought that this was going to be the thing, that this was the next thing that God had for her, the door would last minute unexpectedly completely close. Like all the way right to the end, close. Eventually she got to the point where she's like, I just need to get out of here. I'll go for like more entry level jobs. So she starts going for entry level jobs and the entry level jobs were shutting her down because she's overqualified. There's like every, you know. And so I remember we were talking about this, you know, night after night and Sarah just came in with the perspective of, all right, God clearly doesn't want me to leave right now. And the reason he doesn't want me to leave must be because there's something still here. There's something still here that he has that I don't know, that I don't understand. And so in the midst of this, I'm not going to check out. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be completely faithful in the present, even though I don't really like it here. And I'm looking for something else entirely. You know what happened over the course of the past year and a half? Um, she has been able to share Jesus with almost every single coworker at that company. Uh, she brought three coworkers to this church, and two of them started a relationship with Jesus in that year and a half. Just from not giving up and not being faithful. And you know what's really crazy? When that second person accepted Christ, immediately she got another job. Done. Moving on to the next thing. Why? Because it was never about the job. I, I, I asked her about this and she said, she said to me, the reason God had me stay had nothing to do with work, it had nothing to do with career. The reason God had me stay because there were three people that were lost and needed to be saved. And God sent me there to them. And I didn't know that. And when I opened my eyes, I chased them down. And two of them gave their life for Jesus, to Jesus Christ. Listen, what do I do when I don't know what to do? What do I do when I'm stuck in a place that I don't want to be? What do I do when God doesn't open the doors I'm looking for? When God doesn't give me a way out, I have to assume he still has something here for me. When God doesn't give me a way out, I have to assume there's, still, there's a reason I still live with my family even though that's ridiculous. There's a reason. I have to assume that there's still something here, so I need to be faithful. Listen to me. That doesn't mean you can't look for new career opportunities. That doesn't mean you can't switch your major. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean you can't look for somebody to date. That's not what I'm saying. But faithfulness requires that you are never allowed to give up on what God has put in your hands. It's only when God removes it from your hands that you're allowed to say, okay, 
But faithfulness requires that I'm not allowed to check out because I'm looking for the next thing. And because Sarah was faithful till the end with what God put in her hands, her friends literally found God and literally found salvation and their future was forever changed. And when I was thinking about that story, you know what I thought? This is going to sound... I thought, man, that's exactly what Jesus did for me. That's exactly what Jesus did for me. I was thinking about a story. There... Right before Jesus was being arrested, like right as he was being arrested, all these guards, you know, Jesus is the most innocent man ever, right? All these guards come out to arrest Jesus at the same time because all these lies had been spread about Jesus and how he's leading a rebellion and how he's going to try and overtake Rome or something crazy like that. And so all these guards are coming. They're like, we're going to crucify Jesus. And so Jesus is just minding his own business, not doing anything wrong. And all these guards surround him. One of his best friends betrayed him. And all these guards are everywhere. And Jesus is standing with his other 11 guys, his other disciples. And the guards come to arrest him. And Peter, Jesus' like right-hand man, his, one of his best friends, just like pulls out his sword. And he's like, let's go to town, Jesus. Well, I can get you out of here. And he starts slashing, <laughs> you know, and he starts fighting his way out. And Jesus says, Peter, stop. And you know what he says? Peter, if they don't take me, how will God's word be fulfilled? Peter, if they don't take me, How will God's word be fulfilled? Jesus followed God's word to the point of torture. Jesus followed God's word to the point of betrayal. And Jesus followed God's word to the point of death. And why did he stay faithful? Let me tell you. Because there were people who needed to be saved. Jesus, he even said... Jesus said, listen, I could call down angels if I want, and they could take me out of here. You're right. This job is beneath me. Being in this world is beneath me. That's for sure. And you're right. These people are disrespectful to me, and they betrayed me, and they hurt me, and they don't appreciate. And you're right. I'm not living up to my full potential here. That's definitely true. I can do miracles, and I'm just like teaching people. I'm not living up to my full potential. But listen, God's word said I need to stay. And I'm going to stay because there are people and these people need to be rescued. And if I am faithful to God to the end, these people can be saved. And I just started thinking about that. I'm like, man, you know, when Sarah stayed, her co-workers were saved. When Jesus stayed, I was saved. Faithfulness is God's way of saving you. And I'm so glad Jesus didn't chicken out and bail because he was uncomfortable and because he was disrespected and because he wasn't making enough money and because he didn't feel like this was God's plan for his life. He begged God to get out and God said, no, this is the only way. Faithfulness is the way that Jesus had rescued me. Listen, there's some of us in this room and you don't have a relationship with God and you think I am too far gone, man. I've gone off the path. Like this whole thing, like I'm like over there. There's no hope for me. God, I'm not the kind of person that God wants. I've made too many mistakes. And Jesus, you just need to know, you just need to know that the reason Jesus was put to death and the reason the book of Hebrews said he did it with joy, not smiling, he's being tortured to death, but the reason he had joy deep in his heart was because he saw your face. And he knew that if I stay faithful, that person can be saved. And I'm here to tell you right now, 2,000 years later, that that's true, you can be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God became flesh to pull you out of the dark. 
You have no idea how deeply God loves you. That Jesus chased you down and stayed faithful to the end so that you could be rescued. And here's the promise. Jesus will never leave you behind. You can walk away from him, but he will never walk away from you. There's others of us in this room, and maybe you are following Jesus, and you, you, you know, you just think you've gotten off the path. You're out of God's will for your life. And so now God's not going to use you, and now God has no future for you, and God, God's abandoned you, and God, you're too far gone because you've rejected him at every turn. And listen, and you're even worried, maybe if you're losing salvation. And here's the thing, man. You're not saved because you can be faithful and obedient to God's word. You're saved because Jesus was 100% faithful and obedient to God's word. You stand on his shoulders. So even when you try and walk off the path, if you're on his shoulders, wherever he goes, you're going. You are not too far gone. God will come back for you every time. and keeps coming back for you every time. And the book of Proverbs says that when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, even if you fail, even if you fall, but you trust him with all your heart, God will make your path straight. And the book of Romans says, God will make all things work together for the good of those who love him and trust him. That's what you got to do. Love him and trust him. Jesus will never give up on you. No one that gets tortured to death for a person would give up on them because they made a bad life decision. You're not off his path. It's God's plan. The question is, do I trust him? Jesus, the reason I'm called to be faithful is because Jesus was faithful to me. The reason I have the ability to be faithful even, because I don't have a lot of abilities, the reason I have the ability to be faithful is because Jesus was faithful to me. And the more I understand how Jesus was faithful to me, the more faithful I will be in every area of life. And that kind of begs the question for all of us that are in a position, in a place that you don't want to be, if Jesus went to the cross to save you, maybe the reason you're at where you're at is because there's someone else there that he's trying to save. Can I be faithful to God? Can I rescue the people in my life? Can I turn the grocery store I work at into the kingdom of heaven? I can be faithful to God because Jesus was faithful to me. He will never give up on you. He will never leave you behind. The question is not, am I strong enough? Am I, can I make all the right decisions? The question is, do I trust him? Do I trust his plan for my life? Will I let him take me wherever he wants me to go? And if I trust him, I will be faithful with whatever he's put in my hands. Here's how I want to end tonight. Here's how I want to end. I want you to be able to identify where your faithfulness stops. If you're looking for God's plan for your life, if you're looking to be used by God, if you're looking to come into a relationship with God, I want you to identify where your faithfulness with God stops, and that's where you need to start. So here's a question for you, big question. Am I being 100% faithful to the best of my ability with what's in my hands right now? Am I being 100%? I really want you to think about this. Think through your life. Am I being 100% faithful to the best of my ability? I'm going to stumble, fall, screw up, get mad. Okay. But to the best of my ability, am I being faithful with what God has put in my hands? Not because I'm afraid that God's going to abandon me if I fail, but because I know that God loves me so much, I can trust him with anything. Maybe let's break this down into 
few sub-questions. Number one, do I seek God's word every day? Do I seek God's word for how he wants me to live right here, right now? Is reading the Bible and doing what it says a regular part of my life, trying to find God's plan for my life without reading the Bible is like trying to find my phone without looking in my pocket. Do I just look at the words that he's given me? And then do I listen to what Jesus says? Do I talk to Jesus all the time? Do I ask, do I spend more time asking Jesus what to do with my life than I do asking my idiot friends and my parents that just want me to be like them? (laughs) Do I look through God's word. Second, has God already said to do something in the Bible that I'm not doing? Has God already said to do something in the Bible that I'm not doing, that I won't do? Where you need to stop is where your faithfulness ends. Is there anyone in my life that, that does not know Jesus and I won't share that with them because I'm too nervous? Is there anyone in my life who needs to feel loved, but they don't deserve it, so I refuse to show them love, and I gang up on and whatever? Is there anyone in my life that I have a broken relationship with that I need to go out and restore? Are there things that God has told me to do clearly in the scriptures? Am I a leader in the church? Am I committed to the word of God? If I want to know what's the step, and maybe the inverse of the question will be more helpful, Has God already said not to do something that I keep on purpose doing without even trying to work on? Has God already told me not to do something that I keep on doing on purpose without really any plan to work on? Am I a reliable person? Am I a trustworthy person? Am I a gossip? Am I sexually living the way that God wants me to live sexually to the best of my ability? Do I speak the way God wants me to speak to the best of my ability? Are the things that God has told me, hey, that's not for you, that I'm jumping in on. If I want to know what's next, and if I want to know my, that's where I need to start. And then I think for a lot of us in this room who don't have a relationship with Jesus, the question to you is more simple. Do I want to start trusting Jesus? The Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, but that's for the good of those who love him. If you want a plan, and if you want a purpose, and if you want a direction, and if you want to trust that someone greater than you, more loving than you, is actually in control of your life and in your destiny, the only way to find that is to give your life to Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for you. And so I invite you in at that. We'll talk about that all night. Well, you know, I would love to talk to you about that. And so are all these other guys. But do I want to start trusting Jesus? Do I want to give my life to him? And I, uh, a few years ago, uh, a pastor um, in my life, Ryan Rodman, if you know him, gave me a challenge that was really helpful. And maybe this challenge for everyone in this room could be really helpful. Psalm chapter 119 is all about being faithful to God and being faithful to his word. And so my challenge to you, if you want, if you choose to accept, <laughs> uh, he challenged me, Josiah, what if in one week you read Psalm chapter 119 three times? That's it. What if you read Psalm chapter 119 three times? It's a, long, it's a longer chapter. It takes probably like 20, 30 minutes to read. But what if you read it three times? Because the guy writing is a guy that just wants God to give him the steps, just wants God to give him the commands. And so the thought was, what if you read that? And what if you ask yourself, is this me? Is this my heart? 
is this how I approach what God says? And then if it's not, which is probably not, then to spend the time asking God, God, would you let this be my heart? Would you let this be me? Would you let me crave what you say? And so if you're looking for a place to start and if you're looking for a place to like surrender and you don't know where to go, there's your thing. What if this week you read Psalm chapter 119 three times this week? The band's gonna come up. I would love to pray for us. Um, Jesus. Jesus, I just pray for myself and for every person in this room that we can trust you. I don't want anyone um, believing that you just dropped a book from the sky that we're supposed to obey blindly. The message of the gospel is that you came from heaven to earth. Not to yell at us, not to scold us, not even just to instruct us, but to walk with us. Jesus, I just pray that we can be faithful wherever we're at. God, I, I pray every week that this group of people would be a movement. God, in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world, where people could find the salvation that only comes from me, through you. And they could find it from the people in this room who are just willing to put it out there at work, who are, who are willing to put their reputations on the line. God, I pray that you would show us where our faithfulness ends so that we know where we can start. And God, in all of it, as we fail, as we fall, will you give us grace? Will you give us clarity? Will you show us what you want out of our lives? And would you take us exactly where to go? Because we know, because you said, that if we're faithful with what you've put in our hands, you will be faithful with our life. I pray that we can trust that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Once again, seriously, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we talked about, please don't hesitate at all to reach out. Uh, You can shoot a direct message to our Instagram, but I'd also love to give you my personal email. It's J-O-B-O-G-U-E at graceohio.org. And if you shoot an email to that, I'd love to talk with you about anything going on at, at all. Once again, we'd love to see you in person at Collective. We meet at 754 Gent Road, Fairlawn, Ohio at seven o'clock every Thursday night. And we'd hope to see you there.